Welcome back to Success Hangout. This is Sean David Onamusi. I'd like to get started by thanking you for listening to this episode. I think it's a privilege, or I see it as a privilege, every time that I share my thoughts, my ideas, or even conversations that I have with friends, colleagues, or mentors around the topic of success. Now, I know that success is a relative term for most people. Success to one person could mean having all the money in the world, while success to another person could mean being very spiritual and coming into your own consciousness. So success really is a relative term. And what this podcast is about is, is about bringing that conversation and having a holistic discussion around success. Perhaps um, you might learn one or two things And I want to thank those people who have reached out to me in the past and said, oh, thank you, I learned something new. Uh, Perhaps um, one person comes to mind, I'm not going to mention the name because uh, you're probably listening, but I want to thank you. Uh, The person reached out to me and said how one of the episodes on the Proverbs of an Inspired Yoruba Man uh, was really a game changer for them to push them to their next level. And I really appreciate that feedback. Now, on today's episode, um, what I've done is I've extracted the audio from a conversation that I had with a colleague, uh, with a friend of mine, Sarah Rose, where we talked about the property market in the UK. Now, for those who don't know, there's a new regulation in the UK that gives a stamp duty holiday, as well as some policy changes that could help you to get on the property ladder if you don't already Uh, own a property or it could also help you to expand your property portfolio. I really enjoyed this conversation and I felt like it was important to put it on the podcast for you as well to listen. Please do enjoy this episode with Sarah Rose and feel free to send me a comment and you know just let me hear your feedback because you know I really do enjoy hearing back from you. So Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Very well, yourself? I'm great. Apologies. IT is not my thing. <laughs> it really isn't. I, 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 I don't struggle in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anything to do with IT, log on, log off, mm-hmm. I'm just like, what do I do? <laughs> you, well, you don't want to know what my husband does for a living either. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I, I guess some people just box out and say, well, I don't want to focus on IT. I'll just focus on my strength, right? Absolutely. Thank uh, you. So, so you're, you're focusing on making the money and building the real estates and getting all that paper. <laughs> I understand. Amen to that. Amen to that. Fantastic. Well, thanks, thanks so much for, uh, for taking this. Uh, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. Um, I'm just going to do a quick introduction um, and then I'll give you a head start, you know, I'll give, give you a, a few questions here and there. I want to make it as interactive as possible so people uh, do feel free to ask any questions that you have um, because I've got a couple of questions written down already. So thanks for joining. Uh, as I was saying before uh, Sarah joined, um, we are going to be exploring getting on the property market in the UK. Um, there were some new regulations that came out from the UK government 
that might be very instrumental uh, uh, to get you started to building real wealth in the UK. Um, so I guess that's that's sort of why we're doing this. Um, Sarah, I know you personally, uh, but some people might not know you. Uh, I know you're into real estate. I know you're, you're you're living big. Just tell me more. Tell us more about Sarah. Okay, first and foremost, I'm a child of God. That's the most important thing. Hallelujah. Okay? Hallelujah. That's the most important thing. Before anything else, I'm a child of God. I'm a I'm a crazy believer. I believe that I can fly, but I'm not going to try and jump out the window. Um, just to give you a bit of background about me, I've been doing real estate for about 14, 15 years now. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, part of that um, is also about um, getting people from our community to actually, you know, create wealth. You know, often we see people struggling, we see people living from paycheck to paycheck, working like an elephant, eating like an ant. That disturbs my spirit. And, and also, if we're going by biblical financial principle, I don't believe that we're supposed to be poor. Um, I don't believe that we're supposed to live on handout. I don't want anybody to have to give me anything. I'd rather you show me how to go and fish for myself. So that's kind of how I got into real estate. And also, I saw that my mother, who um, I don't I don't care, I tell everybody about my mum. She is um, a nurse, but when she came to this country, you know how often they don't recognise qualifications from abroad. So she mm -hmm. had to start doing like menial jobs, you know, jobs that were kind of beneath her um, sort of qualification levels. But from mm -hmm. doing that, she was able to buy two properties. So I saw this growing up. So from the age of 17, I've always had a fascination with property. I studied um, mm -hmm. interior design at the KLC School of Design in Chelsea. And then I just found okay. myself into real estate. So that's kind of my background. I love to motivate people. I love to motivate particularly women. I've got nothing against men. I've got two little boys myself. And my husband's the best thing that ever happened to me after Jesus Christ. So I love men, but I feel that if I can get to women, I can get the whole family. Because often, mm -hmm. you know, we are the matriarchs of our homes you know i can mm -hmm. easily influence my husband and um, without mm -hmm. realizing it's the power of being a woman we, we, we see this mm -hmm. you know in the bible quite quite and vividly you know the power of mm -hmm. being a woman so i feel mm -hmm. that if i can get to the wife i can therefore get to the husband and i can therefore get to the children so we break that cycle you know mm -hmm. wealth is a thing that we desire but we don't know how to go about it and yeah. i think that well i believe and i know that real estate it's the most traditional way that people have acquired wealth. You can look mm. at all these billionaires and trillionaires, whatever they want to call themselves. If you look at their foundation, real estate is always there. So that's just mm. a little bit about it. Wow. So that is a powerful introduction. I really love that. You've touched on, you've touched on a lot of stuff there. Uh, and I probably would have to bring you back to explore a few more. Um, because sure. uh, some of those points that you've mentioned are dear to me. Um, especially when we talk about the community that we live in um, and some of the challenges that we face um, and especially when it comes to understanding what wealth means I feel yeah. like most of our community is still we're still stuck and look looking successful rather than wanting true wealth and Absolutely. that could be you know that could be a showstopper sometimes um, but we'll not go into the politics uh, just yet let's go straight to talking about you know the new stamp duty uh rule so um i've read yeah. about it i have a vague idea tell us what's mm -hmm. that new rule what's the policy that's come out 
Okay, so, you know, <clears throat> there's new stamp duty holiday. That's what we call it in the, the real estate world. It's called stamp duty holiday. Now, for those that don't already know, there was already a stamp duty in place, but for first time buyers, that's if they buy up to 300,000, they don't pay stamp duty. So that was already in place. Now with this whole COVID-19 pandemic, they saw that, you know, from the, the, the month of March to end of April, the, the lockdown had a detrimental effect on the property mm. market. It, it kind mm -hmm. of slows. And to give people an idea of, you know, the power of property is that, you know, there are two things that affect the economy. It's the banking world and the mm -hmm. property market. Once those two are gone, you're more or less scuffered, um, mm -hmm. in all honesty. So the government always has its grip on the property market because that's how they generate a lot of wealth. So this mm -hmm. introduction of the new stamp duty holiday is, 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 is quite important because not only does it attract and benefit first-time buyers, now, the first-time buyers, if you're living in London, you're looking to buy a property, 300,000 isn't really going to get you much, in all mm -hmm. honesty. You know, yeah. You're probably looking at a one-bedroom flat, you mm -hmm. know? And if that's, you're lucky. That's your, if you're lucky. And that's <laughs> going to be, like, close <laughs> to Kent, um, mm -hmm. but nowhere near, you know, the, the heartbeat of London. So they had to kind of, you know, raise that threshold in order to make it quite attractive for first-time buyers. Now, yep. we'll talk about first-time buyers in a second. And um, the reason why they've kind of opened it up to everybody else is because they know that first-time buyers are still going to struggle, regardless, to get on the property ladder. So they've opened it to investors because what they now need to do is that they need investors to buy. Investors buy to house people. Currently, there are just too many people. There are too many people living in London and the government don't have the capacity to build quickly. They just can't mm -hmm. do it. So the investors take on some of that sort of hit, take on some of that hit by buying mm -hmm. multiple properties in order to house people. You know, often when you go into people's homes, the, the properties that are being let, you see two, three families mm -hmm. living in one yep. home. And that's yep. because of supply and demand. There's, there's not enough supply and there's too much demand for properties. And mm -hmm. also people are living longer. Absolutely. And then also, the people that are living longer, they want to fund their later life. So what are the older mm -hmm. people doing? They're buying up properties in order to fund their later life, to take that pressure off of their children. So this oh, wow. is important because mm -hmm. everybody can get a slice of the cake. Even overseas investors can get a mm. piece of the cake. So that's why it's, it, it's quite a, um, 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 a level playing field. So it, it, it sounds to me like it's a great time to buy and not a great time to sell. Well, it's a great time to sell because the reason why it's a great time to sell is that the demand is now there, right? Okay. Um, 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 what was I going to say? The um, investors, invest. some investors are put off by the extra 3% surcharge, right? Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. I'm never put off by that because the extra 3% surcharge that puts some people off, I can make it in two months. Right? Mm -hmm. The reason why you can make it in two months is that if you buy a property today, it's probably going to take about two to three months for you to get to completion. Now, mm -hmm. by the time you get to completion, the property market is still moving. So other mm -hmm. properties are coming on the market. So what you mm -hmm. secure yours for is less than what the next one has come on for. So the 3% that you're having a headache about, another property that's just come on the market has absorbed it and you're already in positive equity before you mm. get to completion. 
Black okay. Okay. All right. So um, I feel like we've probably gone far into some terms there. Um, okay. I'm hearing the word equity. I'm hearing about okay. you know I've heard first time by. Let's wheel it back a okay. little bit, right? Um, okay. So we've talked about the, the the stamp duty holiday and why it's yeah. a positive thing, right? Now yeah. I am a first time buyer. I've never bought. Mm-hmm. I've moved into the UK uh, uh, and I've got you know right to live. I've been working and I'm at a point in my life where I'm earning, let's say, somewhere along the lines of about forty to sixty k, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to get into the property market. And I've got some savings as well. How do I get started? Okay, first and foremost, you need to get your credit report. That's the first thing because people don't understand that there might be something in that credit report that could sort of hinder their their, their lending ability. So that's the first thing. You need to know what that says about you. The second thing is, I don't particularly think it's um, the right path to go to your bank. A lot of people do because they just have that relationship with their bank as a first-time buyer. That's where they're predominantly drawn to. Go for it and see what Mm. your bank has to offer. I like people who are incentivized to make me successful. So a broker is incentivized. How brokers work is that they will brokerage the deal so their salary is very dependent on you getting that mortgage. So they will look for things that would work for your situation, whether you are you need a bespoke um, mortgage because you're a contractor or, you know, you get heavily tipped and your and basic salary isn't going to do it. They're going to find a lender that's going to give you the mortgage multiples that you need. So what I mean by mortgage multiples is that the lender will give you either four times your salary, mm-hmm. um, your annual salary, they lend to you, maybe three times your salary. But there are some right at the top of there, which play people like um, HSBC, Barclays, that their criteria can be quite alarming. But there are mm-hmm. new players, you know, you've got Paragon, you've got um, Virgin Money, you've got the, the, the um, post office, who are a little mm-hmm. bit more relaxed. So what that broker is yeah. going to do, the broker is going to place you with the best lender for your mm-hmm. situation. Now, once yeah. you're able to have an understanding as a first-time buyer of what you can borrow, right? Mm-hmm. You can then go and look for a property. Now, I'm assuming as a first-time buyer that you've got you've got your deposit monies ready, okay? When you had your deposit money ready and you've spoken to the broker, you know how much you can borrow, then you're off doing whatever it is that you need to do. Now, also mm-hmm. remember that with first-time buyers, it's not that they don't have good jobs, but because it's so expensive living in London, they don't have the ability to put that deposit monies together. So, yeah. which is why the stamp duty holiday is so important because it takes that pressure off and the money that you were supposed to use to pay for that additional stamp duty is no longer there. So you can mm. actually use that as a deposit. Okay? Yeah. So that's kind mm. of the cycle that I would, I would kind of go down. If you are first okay. time buyer, you don't have a 10% deposit, you don't have a 15% deposit. There are developers that are doing um, help to buy schemes which means that you only need a 5% deposit. The -hmm. government will give you 20%. You will then get 75% from the lender. So there are different schemes out there to assist Mm. first-time buyers. Okay. So if that's fantastic information, and um, I I think going back to um, taking the first leap when I was going to get my first property, 
I I would it would have been so helpful talking to you first, you know, before bumping my head in you know to in some of those lenders as well and getting the best value for money. But I learned in my experience as well that the brokers were great help because they yeah. were incentivized as you mentioned right they yeah. were hungry to go out there and look for the best deal for me so i really like that point now let's say i i don't have good credit at the moment mm -hmm. and i am still passionate i still want to get into the property market i've been designing this for a long time how do i get my credit right enough for a mortgage at what stage should i be aiming for at least okay i'm gonna use myself as, as an example i'm pretty sure that i have my husband's permission to do so um i believe in sharing i believe in being transparent when i first bought my property and there's going to be mm -hmm. a, a bit of um faith, <laughs> faith always comes into it with me you know i i was totally written off by every lender out there and i was a little bit disappointed but that was because there were things in my credit report that i had no idea about and, okay. and it was linked and it was linked to me based on the address that I was living at. So, and also I didn't realize that there were some fraudulent activities that had taken place um, using my name that again, I hadn't realized, but to cut a long story short, they don't care. They think it's you and mm -hmm. they've got to sort it out. So when I got my credit report, the first thing I did was that I contacted the people that I'd um, obviously had some kind of um, financial situation with, and I spoke mm -hmm. to them about how to get rid of it. Okay. There's no point, you, you can get rid of it or you can contest it. The amount was so small for me that I just thought, let me just get rid of it. And then I'll put a supporting letter to explain to them that it wasn't me with some evidence as well. So that was the first thing that I did. Now, again, I spoke to my broker. I've got the best broker in the world. He has helped me with like multiple properties. So his advice to me was that Sarah, get rid of these um, um, debts or these defaults on the, that's on your credit report, okay? And then, we're going to have a look at a look at it again within a three to six months period now within mm -hmm. that three to six months period he was still working on my behalf and i was still putting deposit monies aside you know just to make sure that i was in a, a strong position as possible so whilst mm -hmm. um i was doing that and he was doing that as well i then got a credit card okay because the whole purpose of a credit card i don't like credit by the way i, I just don't do it but the whole purpose of having credit cards is that they want to see your um they, they want to see how you are your, with they want to see your habits mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. they want to see your 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 perpetual spending habit they want to see mm -hmm. if you could buy something and pay it back because look let's let's call a spade a spade buying a property is going to be the most the biggest transaction the most expensive transaction of your life to date mm -hmm. okay and it's mm -hmm. a huge responsibility so these lenders especially with what happened with the 20 um sorry 2008, 2008. Credit, um, mm -hmm. yeah the recession they are very stringent on who they lend to so i i was working on that i bought a credit i got a credit card i buy something i pay it off i buy something i pay it off and then i saw that my credit score went from what's the what's the worst one is it is it poor it's poor, yeah, the worst poor. one mm -hmm. Yeah, mine was poor. below poor mine was actually below poor <laughs> i was even on the register scale was not existent it was non-existent it was this girl is danger danger so anyway mm. i went from poor to well i went from below poor to poor to good and it happened within um it happened within a three-month period which is incredible and then the broker then contacted um barclays and said look look at this girl right she's gone from this to this she's actually improved 
um, you can see that she's a responsible person. Um, this is her position within her, her firm. You know, mm -hmm. she's actually somebody that you can trust. And he was really fighting my battles for me. And then they then said no. Again, they said no, no problem. Mm -hmm. But then a new lender emerged. It was, um, I think it was called, it was Paragon. Now, unfortunately okay. for me, Paragon was going to charge me a higher interest rate, but I was happy to go with that. All I wanted to do was get on the property ladder. So when I went with Paragon, who were then charging me 3.7%, after um, two years, I then remortgaged, okay? So remortgage means that you end your contractual agreement with that lender to go mm -hmm. to a different lender in order to get the interest rate down. And that is how I started. So in order, if you have a bad credit report, I promise you, I see it every single day. Don't worry about it, but get that credit report, look at what the defaults are and start to clear them. And as you're clearing them, be putting money aside for your deposit. We've got I about like nine months, 10 months before the stamp duty holiday comes to an end. So don't worry. The most important thing to do is start. Yeah. That's great. That's a great point. And on the credit rating, one one thing I, I sort of um, did was I moved my regular bills um, that I would standard uh, phone bills, um, council tax bill, at least two or three of them. I picked them and moved them to my credit cards as, uh, a, as a standing order. And then I did yeah. a direct debit from my debit account straight to my credit account on the same mm -hmm. day the payment went out. So I didn't yeah. feel the difference at all. And it just, mm -hmm. it was just automated in that sense, right? Mm -hmm. And within three months as well, you know, I saw yeah. a huge difference as you mentioned. So that's a really great Can point. I just say one yeah. thing? Can I just say mm -hmm. one thing, David? We should be mindful about um, things like store cards, all these little things that we think is not a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. um, a, a friend of mine, he got rejected because he owed five pounds. <laughs> oh, wow. He missed the payment on a, I think it was next, you know, so people need to understand what credit is. Credit doesn't mean it's your money. It isn't mm -hmm. your money. It Absolutely. is credit, okay? Mm -hmm. And we need to be, we need to get into a better habit of paying these things off because a five pounds, you know, default will have a bigger effect on, on your financial credit score. Absolutely. I even have a rule. I don't take uh, credit store cards because um, mm -hmm. I don't you know think it's necessary if i have yeah. a bank credit cards with my debit card so mm, i really don't yeah. even go down the store card route but that's a really yeah. good point that it's not your money credit money it's not your money not but your it money. helps you, you to build wealth it's just yes. not your money at that time that's great so there was a question i had about the first um going from your first property to your second property right um mm -hmm. there a couple of people who are excited about getting you know their first property but they don't, yeah. don't think about the second property as well so how do you move from just one property to multiple property owners it really depends if you want to work for the rest of your life i'm gonna be straight i love my job but I, I i really don't like somebody telling me when to wake up when to go for lunch when to pick up my kids when to it's just too it's too much control for me so it's your mindset you need to have a wealth mindset when you have bought the first property, you now need to understand that, that although that property equity means growth, it means that the property is worth more than what you paid for it over a period of time. That means there's money in that property. Okay, that's what equity means. So the property that you're living in, okay, it will have equity in it, 
but unless you transact that equity it's just sitting in the property so how mm -hmm. i went from my first property to my second property was often people think i have to save again i have to save again which is just not necessary so if i buy a property that is worth two hundred thousand, and then mm -hmm. after two years which is when mm -hmm. the remortgage term is that property is no longer worth two hundred thousand. it's now worth three hundred thousand, which is possible mm -hmm. so it's gone up by a hundred thousand pounds in a two-year period when i remortgage i will then take out forty thousand pounds out of that property okay so i've still got sixty thousand pounds equity in it don't take out too much it's not a good idea so i take out mm -hmm. forty thousand pounds out of that first property and i use that forty thousand pounds to buy to, to be the deposit on the other property does that make sense now okay. because that property is a buy to let property it's not really based it, it it my salary is not the main factor it's how much that property could could rent for that's the biggest factor so the bank will ask the surveyor to get comparables comparables is um, what properties are renting for in the area as long as it stacks up with what you want to borrow and everything matches the lender will say go ahead go for it even that is our even if market. you've maxed out even if you've maxed out your sort of lending capacity with the first property it doesn't matter because you're not paying for that property what people need to understand with a buy to let property you are not paying for it it's paying for itself you know mm. the people that are going to be residing in it are the ones that are going to be paying the mortgage for you if that makes any sense so for example yeah. um if i have a buy to let all the all the lender cares about is how much could it rent for how much could it mm -hmm. rent for that's all they care about and as long as that stacks up with what you're borrowing that's it you're good to go and as long as you've got the deposit required for that which will be 20 percent 20 to 25 percent you could get a buy to let with a 20 percent deposit however the interest rate will be slightly higher um again if it were me i probably would go for that and then remortgage after two years and then get the interest rate down anything for me to get that second property however if you're more oh, of, of a cautious person go for the the, the 25 percent now the difference between 20 percent and 25 percent is that it makes no difference for me because remember i'm not paying the mortgage Mm -hmm. the, the, the tenants are going to be paying it on my behalf and I'm sorry for all the renters out there but this is the truth of it if I if I've got a buy to let and my it's an interest only mortgage right mm -hmm. chances are at 200,000 the mortgage may be 500 pounds a month right mm -hmm. I'm going to be letting that property out for 1300 pounds okay do you see what I'm saying yeah I see what you're saying right mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. what that's 800, that's 800 pounds right mm-hmm that's 800 pounds of profit for me. Now, if, that's good news for me, if that makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely, yeah. I'm not gonna be worried about 20% and 25% because I'm not paying mm -hmm. it, okay? Yep. Which is why yep. I never think it's a good idea to rent, it's always a better idea to, to, to buy. It's a cheaper option to buy. Yeah. So as long as it works, as long as the um, comparables for the letting side stacks up, you're good. As long as you've got um, a good job, you know, you've been there for a long while, they can see yeah. that you've already got a mortgage already, there's equity there, you're, you're mm -hmm. more or less good to go. That's, so that's awesome. how you find the second property. Great, great. Thanks, thanks for that, Sarah. Someone asked about CCJ when we were talking about credit rating. How do you go about that? So you've got CCJ on your credit rating. Maybe first of all, explain what a CCJ is and how to get rid of it. Yeah. 
it's a county court judgment, which means that um, you have a debt or you had a debt and um, it went to a county court and they went in the favour of the, the creditor and they've now put um, a mark on your credit just to say that, you know, be mindful of this person, they're not really great with money. I had three CCJs, <laughs> oh. okay? I had three CCJs. I don't want glamour, to um, glamorise CCJs, but I mean, mm. believe me, a lot of people have CCJs. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Some people have CCJs for like, um, what's it called? Council tax. Yeah, you get it for minor things as well, right? It's just, it's just ridiculous, you know? Mm. My CCJ was like a 15, a £15 um, T-Mobile bill. No oh, okay. wow. You know, it was so silly. But so I did basically, a CCJ is not something to be scared of, right? It's not the end of the road. It's not the end of the road. It's not the end of the world. There's still life at the end of the tunnel. Try not to get it, which mm -hmm. is why it's important to, to have a look at your credit score maybe once a year just to see what's out there about you. But mm -hmm. honestly, if you can, if you can, the thing about CCJ is that if you contact the creditor, they always want their money back. They do. They mm -hmm. want their money back. Mm -hmm. And once you pay them, this is what my broker advised me, once you pay them, right, you then write mm -hmm. a letter to get them to confirm that you have paid it. You then give that to your broker. Your broker will then advise the lender that it's still on the credit file, but it's actually mm -hmm. resolved, it's done, and then we can okay. move on from it. Yeah. So it stays on your is it stays on your record, but it's moved on. So it doesn't it's have that on. sort of, you know, authority on your uh, rating correct. anymore. Awesome. That's now, correct, someone's yeah. asking, can you get a family member to underwrite a mortgage? Uh, let's say your salary uh, is uh, quite high and you needed someone to underwrite that mortgage for you. Why would you need a family? I don't, I, don't, I don't really understand that question. So, Sorry. so I, I, I'm guessing maybe the person meant uh, very low uh, because it makes sense to get underwritten by a family member if your wage is low. But what I can read here says wage isn't. Oh, sorry, my fault. I I, I, I missed that part. Your wage isn't very high. So that's my fault. Okay. The wage isn't very high. So can you get a family member to underwrite to your mortgage you. application? To support you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so basically, if I'm, if I'm understanding that question correctly, um, often what you'll have is that somebody's salary may not be, they may not be able to get the mortgage multiple based on their salary. So they, they, they mm -hmm. have um, um, a family member to go in with them in order mm -hmm. to get that multiple to, to, to buy property. Is that what they mean? So they'll, they'll become a joint owner on the property. A joint owner, a co-owner, yeah. yes. Yeah. Is that what they mean? Good, so okay. I, that I, am, I am assuming I, the person hasn't clarified any further, but let's assume that's what the person means. Okay, well, often you'll get that with parents, right? Okay. Parents supporting their kids to buy a property because they just can't get the mortgage multiples. Now, one has to be a bit careful about that. The reason being is that if you're a first-time buyer and you've got your parents buying with you or a family member that has already that already owns a property, you are then mm -hmm. classified as one. So you will then have to pay the additional 3% stamp, sorry, the 3% surcharge. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So you'll yeah. get the you'll get um, the free stamp duty up to 500,000, but then you'll have to pay 3% surcharge on top of that because you are no longer seen as a first time buyer because the person who is joining you is already a homeowner. Okay, okay. So you will get a 3% surcharge if the family member that is underwriting you in this case 
um, already owns property as well. That's correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So um, I think the questions are now rolling in. We've got questions here. If, what if you're self-employed, sole trader? Is it difficult? And what about putting a property in a company name? Okay. So that's the two sides to that question. That's um, if you're a sole trader, how easy is it? And then the second will be uh, putting your property in a company name. Okay, so sole trader, sole trader. Do they mean a contractor? Yes, is that what they mean by that? A contractor. So I'm guessing no. on your registration on uh, HMRC, you can either mm -hmm. apply as a sole trader or a limited um, self-employed uh, or a limited liability company. So I believe the sole trader um, is not as um, I think the 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 regulations between the sole trader and the self-employed is quite different so some people opt out for just sole trader um to get their sort of uh their tax number self-employed self-employed yeah. sole trader okay cool <clears throat> i'm just going to take that as you know somebody who's self-employed <clears throat> my husband is self-employed so again you need a broker because the broker will find a, um, a lender that deals with contractors, sole traders, limited companies, umbrella companies, whatever you want to call yourself, the broker is the route to go down and you can definitely do it. I have a lot of friends, um, I don't know why I'm in this contracting circle, maybe Jesus is trying to tell me something but I've not heard yet, but a lot of them, they're able to get mortgages, um, you know, it's, it's quite easy to be honest with you and as a contractor, from my understanding, you guys get paid quite a healthy sizable salary so yeah. your lending um, um ability is actually quite a good thing it's quite great i guess what the, what the banks are a bit more skeptical about with self-employed mm -hmm. is consistency right um so it's there's no guarantee on the long term on the contract however yeah. with the right broker you can definitely get around it right yeah you can get around it and also they always they often ask you to submit um a year's accounts um just mm -hmm. so that because the thing is you know <clears throat> A, 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 a contractor or a self-employed person may only work for six months in a year but then they earn mm -hmm. more than what a person who's um, um, a full-time PAYE worker earns yeah. the whole of the year so you know as long as they can put their um, their accounts together and again mm -hmm. can, um, the, the lender can see the underwriter or the BDM business development manager can see that they are good with money then mm -hmm. it shouldn't be a problem at all. Yeah. At all. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of a limited company, now often um, people think that in order to, well, the reason why people buy um, um, properties um, through a company is um, for tax, um, you know, um, um, exemption. That's just the truth mm -hmm. of it, you know. They want to have that um, tax exemption um, side of things working for them. Now, mm -hmm. I thought, I thought that you have to, you have to have been trading with that um, the company for about a year, two years. But my broker informed me just at the start of this year because I've got other ideas going on in my head. He's like, Sarah, no, you don't. You can open up a company today, and we can buy a property um, for you under that that company name. So again, get a broker. They know how to go around it, over it, under mm -hmm. it. So if you want to buy a property via a company. That's, that's also possible and you don't need to wait a long time to do that either. Awesome. Um, someone asked what's the lowest uh, percentage um, that you can um, put down to get onto the property ladder? I believe it's 5%. And that's with the help to buy scheme, correct? No, not necessarily. Um, a okay. sister of mine, which I just couldn't believe, a sister of mine who bought about five, 
four months ago, she got a broker, the broker got her a deal at 5%. I was like, what's his name and what's his number? <laughs> <laughs> and and that, was, that was 100% legal. <laughs> that was that legit, was not, legal. <laughs> that was his, not backdoor agreements. She literally gave me this number just last week because I'm, I'm trying to help um, a family member of, of mine. Like, so I, I can probably say this because I'm not going to mention the name, but I found out recently about a year ago, someone mm -hmm. got, a broker got someone a 0% deposit on the property. We need, to, I need that number right <laughs> now. Give me that but number. anyway, okay, so you can get 5% basically. Um, someone yeah. said every bank is different. Some have been asking for 15% during COVID. Some are still asking for 5 to 10% if it's a residential property okay that's a comment um not so much of a can question I, can, I, can i can i can i address that <clears throat> mm -hmm. now during the pandemic the reason why a lot of lenders increased their um, deposit sizes was the influx of the mortgage holiday applications okay that's mm -hmm. what happened um we need to understand that a lot of these lenders these banks um they operate their their um their head not head office but their um call call centers is that what they call it mm -hmm. their call centers is in india it's here mm -hmm. it's there now if we look at what happened in india they were put into lockdown within 40 i think it was like 12 hours or 24 hours something mm -hmm. crazy like that so yeah it was so the likes of i don't know barclays let's say barclays they were panicking and they had all these mm. people calling them for mortgage holidays because you know yep. people were just a bit worried so what they did mm -hmm. was that they said okay what we need to do we need to shut down applications mortgage applications how best to shut down mortgage applications but by saying you now need a 30 percent deposit you now need a 40 percent deposit that is what they have done the reason why i know this is for sure is because i work directly with brokers so they tell me first-hand information as what as to what it is that they were done doing rather they did this to stop the applications coming in so that they can focus on the mortgage holiday now if you have monitored what they've been doing in the last sort of eight weeks they're gradually changing their deposit now some are saying okay give me 20 percent some are saying you've got hsbc 10 percent they're mm. back to 10 percent okay? so slowly they're going back to their 10 percent five percent so they will do that but they've done it for a reason the reason why they've done it is because they're trying to manage the whole application, remortgages, yeah. um, this, this, that. So I wouldn't be put off by that if I were you. Again, yeah. a broker will direct you, instead of like going to like three different banks, there's one thing you must know. When you go to your bank, your bank probably only has three or four products. Mm. That's all they've got. They've got three or four products. There are oh, There is over a thousand products out there. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how do you know the best one is with your bank and they've only got three and, and there's over a thousand out there so again the broker will say before we submit this application let's have yep. a look around let's go shopping let's shop around so we can find you the best rate and don't keep applying because the more you apply your, your um, credit score goes down so that's why the broker is the best placed person in my opinion and what's the percentage uh um, that a broker charges on each deal oh it depends Oh, it depends. They're making money. Let's not even lie about those people. They're making serious <laughs> money. Every time I pick, every time I call my broker, mm -hmm. it's Sarah. I smell money. I say, yeah, you better smell money. You better get me a good deal. They make so they're good making money. all the money. I, I might they have are. to change careers. I might have to change career then. Listen to me. I like money. 
I even looked at how to become a broker. I said, Jesus, help me now. <laughs> when I see, when I saw that there's mathematics involved, I said, CBA. I said, let me just put this down. Let me just focus on what I need. <laughs> brokers, brokers charge differently. I was my broker. He charges me a fortune. But mm-hmm. guess what? My husband's like, Hey, should we not try anybody else? I said, baby, you better just leave me alone. <laughs> he charges an absolute fortune, but I, I promise you something, right? This guy, when we were buying, when, when we were buying um, the property in Dartford, my broker called me the day before exchange. He said, Sarah, don't exchange. I said, listen to me. I'm in Bible school. What do you mean don't exchange? Devil, be gone. He said, don't exchange. <laughs> A new rate has come out today, delayed. Mm. He got us, I think it was like 100 quid off a month. That mm. is a broker. That is a serious mm. broker. So, you know? so Sarah, let's 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 wheel back a little bit now. Um, Dumb uh, um I, I I've got to address this because I I can't help it. Okay. There's a mindset shift that needs to occur if you are going to move from um, the sort of how everyone does it and how you're describing at the moment. So there's a different mindset that you need to trust the broker for example, right? Because if you're thinking, I need to can all the money I can, right? Now I need to pull all, you know, save all the money, get all the money to myself. I'd rather save that 10% or 0.5%. In some cases, very minimal charges, right? Uh, And you say to yourself, I'm not gonna pay that. I'm gonna mise that because I want to get as much profit as I can. So I would do it myself. You could run the risk, right? of you know losing out in the long in the long haul so what i'm saying is you need a different mindset to embrace other <coughs> professional advice don't you yeah let me just let me just um, come in there the thing that people need to understand about um lenders banks there's no loyalty they don't care you're just another number whether you whether you have a roof over your head or you don't you're just a number. The thing about a broker is that they get intimate with you. They know about your children. They know what your dreams are. They know what your hopes, your aspirations, yada, yada, yada. They're there for a reason. Now, what I've experienced with banks is that I've actually been going through a transaction with somebody. So they bought a property off of me. We're going through it. All of a sudden, the mortgage is withdrawn. They're taking it. What's going on? Why have you taken the mortgage? Well, it got called into audit. You know, we've done our, um, our number crunching again and we're not giving them the mortgage. You can't do that. They've, we've already, and this is after exchange. Mm. They pulled the mortgage after exchange, which now means that the buyer is, is going to lose his ten percent deposit. It is gone, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Once, once that, once that more, so once exchange has happened, you are contractually obliged to complete, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to get a broker on board. We had to just, you know, plead with the vendor and say, look. Just, we're so sorry it got called into audit the bank has withdrawn the mortgage we need to get somebody else and the, the, the vendor was actually the vendor which is the seller was actually quite nice so we got a broker on board and the broker was able to do some miracles and we got another lender but again if you have a broker the broker can see everything the broker can pick up the phone to the underwriter to the business manager what's going on why is that mortgage not coming out my client is not very happy can we do something about it the bank they just sit there and they wait reject mm. reject reject there's nothing in it for them. Their salary is not going to be affected. They get yeah. paid the same every single month. So they're yeah. not incentivized to get mortgages. Mm. And isn't that, that's a mindset shift, right? Because I, I, I was probably 
before I started engaging with brokers, I saw a broker as part of those big firms. So in the same yeah. way, I couldn't trust the, you know, the big firm. I couldn't yeah. trust the broker, right? Yeah. So you know it, it, it's you quite fascinating how you describe yeah. the difference in personalities. You need to have that shift. You know, look, mm. I think some people just think the world is against them. The mm -hmm. world is not against anybody. You're probably against yourself. That's just the truth of it. Some people hate Amen agents. When they see how much an agent gets paid, they just get angry for some crazy reason. But I'm the same agent that will call you when something special is about to hit the market and no mm -hmm. next. Because yeah. I have a good relationship with you and I know you're going to buy. You know, we give yeah. people the heads up. So it really just depends on whether you want to be in your own little box in your own little circle or whether you mm -hmm. want to actually go fishing you want to fish with the big the big guys as well you know a broker is my broker is more or less you know my asset manager he's like sarah what mm -hmm. have you got in the pipe you know when's the remortgage due do you want to take some money out of that you know i'm actually my broker owns 27 properties if i'm not going to listen to him who am i going to listen to <laughs> and he works exactly for right fun. He mm. works for fun. Every time I call him, it's like, Sarah, you know that I'm just here for fun. I'm just here to kill time. I shouldn't even be mm. here. But that, that's, that's what you do. You want to mingle in the right circle. Don't don't try and save £500 and be a bit, you know, of a, a, I don't want to say tight, but be a bit, you know, tight-fisted with money. Mm -hmm. But then there's a, there's a world of opportunity out there waiting for you. And it's calling I really your name. Like so without without um sounding like this is an advertisement for brokerage firms it and neither neither of us are opening up our own brokerage firms so <laughs> that's not what it is uh we just happen to really emphasize that and someone's got a question asking how do you find a good broker where do you start well oh my gosh i don't know how i found mine <laughs> uh, <laughs> How do you find a good broker? There are so many. Um, you've got, um, is it Countrywide Brokerage? You've got Alexander Hall Brokerage. I'm not going to say anything more than that, but Alexander Hall Brokerage. We know, we know. Um, <laughs> that, that's who I use. I just think they're amazing. Um, mm -hmm. You've got you've got different brokers. All right, you've mm -hmm. got the broker that's um, around the corner, like hustling, and he seems to get the job done. Much, yeah, yeah. You know, but I like to go with a, a, a reputable company um, that Absolutely. has the stats, you know, that they've got a, a, a relationship with the lender. Now, with the brokerage I use, Alexander Hall, um, the reason why I use them is because they have exclusive deals that nobody mm -hmm. else has. It's, it's mm. bespoke, it's, it's just for them. So whilst other people are trying to find something, I've got access, like, the entire market but they mm -hmm. charge me an absolute fortune but i'm happy to i'm happy for that that's really good what i'm going to say makes mm -hmm. the difference so um that's a really great point um on on the brokers my experience with my personal brokers was similar um it was a bit more personal and it did mm -hmm. everything possible to get the best deal out there so i really i think you know going down that route is very important let's say yeah. i wanted to build a portfolio right mm -hmm. how many properties do i need to build in a portfolio before i can start confidently saying that i've started to build real wealth for myself and i can retire from work if i want to i think in order is again it's going to be different for everybody because it also depends on how much you're earning <laughs> you know how much how much you're bringing in a, a, um, um, a month with your own salary um for me 
I think that if I have at least three to four properties that can stop me from working, like it, it can be funding um, um, an income for me monthly and I'm comfortable, then that for me is a property portfolio. I think any more than two properties is a property portfolio. Um, mm. But again, you know, we also need to remember that somebody who has one property, who has two property, which is their residential property where they live and mm -hmm. another property, um, let's say they've got like a, a three bedroom flat in Vauxhall, Nine Elms, mm -hmm. and that property is worth a million pounds, but they bought it um, 20 years ago, they bought it for 300,000. That's a property portfolio right there. That, mm -hmm. That's a property that is like got three properties in one. You know, yeah. you've got people that have, a, you know, properties in, in the Midlands, they've got one here, one there, one everywhere, but the whole property portfolio is only worth 150,000. Mm. You know, so it's so not just it's not just it's about not having a, a big number yeah. yep it's not just it's about the, the equity it's about the mm. equity and what that property is doing for you now again so, a little nugget go ahead yeah so let's say i had twenty thousand or let's say i've got fifteen thousand pounds right now sitting in my account um mm -hmm. i have a choice of going outside london to go and buy a property of say about a hundred thousand pounds and I, you know, put down that deposit or um, or go further out and probably buy a 50,000 property, right? If I'm able to um, de get a 5% deposit on a 250,000 property in London, is a better choice for me to invest in London or outside London with that sort of pocket size deposit I've got? <clears throat> um, maybe some people say I'm a little bit biased, but hey, who cares? London market. The London market is 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 a world in itself. You know, it's 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 just on its own. You cannot touch it. You know, we might have a recession in the next six months. You know, once they remove this whole furloughing um, mm -hmm. safety net that they've put there to try and prop up the um, the economy, we may mm -hmm. have a recession. Now, the thing about the London market is that people still need to live in London. People yeah. gravitate towards London. They gravitate towards London because of the jobs, because of the schools, because of the university. So the London mm -hmm. market kind of just, it, it keeps going. It really does keep going. It might slow down a bit, just a little bit, but it doesn't really decline. The only part of London that declines are places like, you know, one Hyde Park. You've got one bedroom flat there for like 10 million, 20 million pounds. And the only people that buy those properties are people that, you know, who are incredibly rich, who live abroad, and they want a dinner party topic. They just want to say, you know, I own a flat in one Hyde Park. But that's mm -hmm. where you see the decline in the higher mm -hmm. end of the market. But everywhere else, the property market will continue to move, albeit slowly. Mm -hmm. Now, if we go outside of London, the danger about outside of London is that if there's a recession, it always hits there first. It mm. always hits there first. And those properties decline so rapidly because, again, there isn't that infrastructure to keep it moving, to support to keep it, it moving, which is which is why it's, which yeah. is why it's so incredibly affordable. Um, mm -hmm. My husband and I don't invest outside of London. We keep it in London because we want the young working professionals to pay our rent. We want the property market to keep growing. Um, we want to see our assets keep growing because you know, another thing, life happens. So you mm -hmm. want to make sure that if life happens, your property will step in. <laughs> to help you get out of it yeah that's good and, but can i get a property of 150k 250k in london um no you can't <laughs> you can probably you probably can but it's going to be like an ex-council studio one bedroom flat i actually saw one in catford the other day that my husband and i um 
quite interested in and it was a one bedroom flat for um i think 195,000 i just couldn't believe it so mm. it, it can happen but again it could be that the property has a low lease it could be that it needs a lot of work so it, it's it's there you know you've got places like dartford um um rochester caterham gillingham all those areas there that again it's 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 a great place to buy because you know that's the next commuter hotspot people can live there and still commute into london so they're taking mm -hmm. their money out there the market's still yeah. moving up and they can still commute to london so it's definitely possible okay and we've got two more questions i think we're going to take two more questions at this point because um, sure. i know you've got to go in a bit um what do you think about investing in the north uh someone's asking and another person says do you invest close to where you live um, so i think on the first one you probably answered part of the first just one answered it. yes yeah. yes but again it depends on who you are I, I i i personally think that if i can't get some property there's going to be a problem the reason why there's going to be a problem is that if you're for me from my experience if your tenants don't see you you don't know what they're up to you know, mm -hmm. and there are so many amazing tenants out there, but they could be subletting, they could be growing weeds in the house, you don't even know, or they could just be living properly, properly and looking after the property. But if there's a problem with that property, how are you going to fix it? Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to go up north to fix it. So yeah. tenants stop paying when there's a problem and you have not resolved it within 24 to 48 hours. So mm -hmm. if you can manage that, get a property manager up, up north to sort you out, then by all means, go for it whatever works for yeah. you but for me i like to be involved so i don't i, don't I have a rule my personal rule is i don't go any further than an hour 30 minutes if i cannot get there in an hour 30 minutes yeah. i'm not investing in there that's i i can agree with that for me personally awesome what do you think about periods conversions and there was still oh, the other question around <laughs> investing where you live okay um what was the question about investing where you, where you live? Do you advise? So, you do you invest where you live, um, close to where you live? Um, yeah, kind and of. The second was the period conversions. Okay, yeah, I, I, I think it's good. Well, I'm, I've, I've just got a, a love of the London market. You know, I can get around places pretty quickly. Um, if you want to invest where you live, that's good. But also, the tenants will see you every day. You'll see them every day. They may annoy you. <laughs> um, so that's something else to be mindful of. But. Um, yes close to where you live if it's a 20 minute drive an hour's drive you know an hour and a half drive i don't see a problem in that um i i, I that's something that i would do um mm. period conversions oh lord i love about period convert i love period conversions because the thing what's a period do, what's a period conversion okay a period conversion is a property of a period <laughs> um it could be a victorian house a georgian house an edwardian house and you, you know, with these properties, you know, remember back in the days, let's use the Victorian era. Um, mm -hmm. The first floor was always the music floor. You know, you had the music room. So you have like really high ceilings, you know, vaulted ceilings. You've got this or that. Every, every time a buyer comes on the phone, I want a period property, big windows, high ceilings. You know, everybody <laughs> loves period properties. That's what that's, I've got period properties coming out of every hole in my body. They're just amazing. But remember, these things are over a hundred years old. They come with their own problems and troubles. Okay, mm -hmm. so if you do not have the money to keep it up to scratch and to maintain it, don't go period, go new build. No, <laughs> you okay. know. But I promise you, if you were to have a period property and a new build, um, a lot of people will be drawn towards a period property 
but you know the millennials will be drawn to the new build because you've got the concierge mm -hmm. you've got the view you've got the river you've got this you've got yeah. that so my personal my personal preference as my husband will tell you is period i go period every single time there's just a premium remember they can't build these properties again so people mm -hmm. will pay a premium to have a victorian mm -hmm. property or an edwardian or whatever yeah absolutely and there was a question on break, uh, barn conversions yeah that's my sister-in-law right there hi temmy um <laughs> barn conversions absolutely like um a friend of mine lives in a barn conversion and what they do with barn conversions is incredible you you literally can just rebuild the whole barn um they're oh, very wow. spacious um you know you've got some that have like you know they've put glass vaulted ceilings you know you can be as creative as you want with a barn conversion but also remember that because it's a barn conversion it's cold in winter and really hot in summer so <laughs> that's something to bear in mind as well so it's all about what is right the rental solution. yields for barn conversions are uh, are they quite uh commercial well you know if you go out into somewhere like um cape um i don't know surrey red hill all these places there um, i'm not too far from seven oaks now i live quite close to chiselhurst that's mm -hmm. all they want so all these people all these um, ceos bankers they are moving there to have this lovely barn conversion house you've got acres and acres of you know land but they're still commuting mm -hmm. to london farm conversions go very very quickly so do um 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 bungalows for some reason everybody's loving bungalows in the young people yeah yeah I, I think it's uh, it's the aging population as well that's contributing to that yeah. as well, right? Uh, because yeah. of lifestyle changes. Well, Sarah, I think um, I've got to let you go because of the time. Uh, I really Great. appreciate you. We're going to do this again. Yeah. This time, it's going to be a webinar uh, with um, um, a success hangout group that I put together. So I hope I'm going to have you there in a couple of weeks uh, to you talk will. about Can this. Can I just say one more thing? Yeah. I always have to say something. Yeah. God, I thank you for this opportunity. Um, mothers, listen to me, right? Fathers, you guys are good. We love you guys. Mothers, listen to me, right? When you start having children, okay, and you decide to stay at home, do something. The, the, the downside of the job that I do is that often I go in and I see mothers and they are dormant now. They're stagnant. Now that they've got kids, they've lost their identity and are not doing anything. Just because you're at home doesn't mean you can't do a business do a business invest in that business and create an asset or create wealth out of that business i've got so much time and passion for mothers okay we've got to make sure that as women we are at the forefront our husbands can't do everything they're amazing they're great see my brother's got twist in his hair praise the lord right but we as women okay we know our strength we can make I, something i'm, I'm trying to take care of myself sarah <laughs> Yeah, praise the Lord. But you know, we women, we've got to step up. We really have to step up, okay? And we've got to step up because our children are watching us. My children, I, I, love, I love to talk about them, they don't watch TV. My, my son better know numbers, he better knows money, money management. We've got work to do because otherwise, these kids are going to make the same mistakes that we have made and we end up back in square one. And that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen to that. Sarah, that's a powerful way to close out. Thank you so much. I love that message. My and that, it resonates with me, sister. So God bless you. We'll see you soon. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks for joining. Thank you guys. Thanks. Love you guys. Bye. God bless. Bye bye.